but there was something about owning a piece of land and knowing that that piece of land represented the fact that we were in total control, hmm. that we were going to develop something, we were going to build something of our own. Hey, hello, and welcome to Architecting. This is the show where we look at the, the act of being an architect, uh, the people and the stories behind the images and the buildings. Um, in our very interconnected global world, this podcast, this show is going to be specifically local and, and focused. So we're just going to be focusing on uh, Colorado architects and designers. My name is Adam Wagner. I'm a Denver-based architect. Uh, I'm married to an architect, Rebecca Wagner. We, I have two architecture degrees from Kansas State and from Yale. Uh, I've worked at architecture firms in, in Wichita and in Kansas City, in Rotterdam, in New Haven, in Mexico City, and now in Denver, where I'm an architect at Open Studio Architecture. And that brings us to our first live interview uh, with Blake Moyer. So when I first moved to Denver, I, I really did a lot of research and, and dug into the, the Denver and Colorado architecture uh, community. And, and Blake um, was one of the first ones that I, I reached out to, um, just really admired his work and, and the firm that, that, he had, that he had created. So he graciously was kind of writing back and forth and, and we connected a little bit, but the timing didn't work out, and uh, I ended up working for Will Henschel and 359Design, um, who we'll get into later at some point. But after about three years, I left there and uh, restarted my own uh, firm and and reached out to Blake um, just to come and do some crits at, at the architecture school. And he invited me into the office for... Uh, for drinks and just to talk and hang out and that silver tongue devil uh, ended up talking me out of my own firm and to to join his firm uh, so I've, I've been with him uh, for over a year now um, so um, Blake is a, a graduate of the Faye Jones School of Architecture from the University of Arkansas uh, he had a long career uh, with Denver, uh, in Denver, uh, the, the Ginsler office of Denver, uh, where he was the design director before founding Open Studio in 2011. Since then, the, the firm has grown to about 25 people and uh, won multiple awards, most recently the AIA Colorado Young Firm of the Year in 2019. So I'm happy to introduce Blake as our, our first live guest. Thanks. At the office today, you no, know, all by myself for the seventh month in a row. Nice. Well, yeah, thanks for joining. I we had some a uh, little bit of blank airtime before, so I was kind of giving an overview of this of the, what this podcast, this show will be. Um, but really, the idea of just um, strengthening and telling this, strengthening a, this Colorado community of architects, and just uh, telling telling stories and kind of getting behind with the ideas of and the experiences of, of people, especially like yourself and wanted to have you on first, but. Cool. Let's get after it. Sounds good. So what's, what's, what's the, the, the two line bio of, of Blake Moyer? 
what what would what would that sound like ah uh, who are you two lines huh stubborn um i don't know um very tenacious maybe, and, and and fighting for for everything i've got <laughs> seems nice. every day and every year and every decade is the same but with a different fight um be it the the, the work or in private things so nice yeah. i was I, I was trying to formulate this first question and and to think about how people like get across the idea of how people see themselves mm-hmm. and then then with the idea of how how you get there and so you know, when I was thinking that, I was gonna thought you were gonna say, you know, I'm a I'm a father, I'm I'm the the principal of o- Open Studio, and blah blah. blah. <laughs> but I but I think it's interesting to see, you know, how you took that and and the kind of the qualities of that. And so then yeah. my next question would be just how, how did you get there? So, what's mm-hmm. your what was that path that that's got to you to where you're at and with those kind of qualities? Where'd you grow up? Yeah. So. Yeah, backing up to answer the the question accurately, I am a father uh, and <laughs> owner, founder, entrepreneur here, um, and and definitely, uh, I guess it's really best termed as not letting off the gas. There's always um, the ability to kind of start coasting or or relaxing and trying to to glide a little bit, but you really don't get that opportunity not in this business, and and I think not in in life if you you're going to live it well. Um, so I think the characteristics are being a little bit stubborn, um, not accepting um, necessarily what we're taught and trying to do things a little differently. And I think that's the entrepreneurial side that we all kind of have inside of us. And, and it's really who's tapping it a little heavier than others at different times. Um, for me, I think I, I've learned a lot from, from, just so many people, so many places, so many experiences. Um, and I think you, you really aggregate those things. You pull them together and it starts to define who you are. Some of those experiences define who you don't want to be. Um, and you yeah. kind of pay attention to those just as much as, as the people that inspire you. And, and I think um, being able to sort through that and, and stay true to yourself um, is how you can get there. I think the other big thing is really knowing what is there for you? Um, a lot of people, I think, don't really know where they want to go. And I think the struggles in the, the midterm of, of people's career is just sort of accepting what's around them and feel like, hey, I'm learning, I'm, I'm growing, I'm doing my thing. Uh, but oftentimes um, that sort of becomes 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, and they don't really look around and, and ask themselves these hard questions about how, how hard might it be uh, to go do what you've always wanted to do whatever that might be. Um, it could just be working at another place or another city or, or working in a different capacity within the industry. Um, but a lot of people just, you know, avoid that. And it's tough, but I think it's really, really important. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I'd say not a lot, but I'd say I say most people, right? I mean, it's easy to not to yeah. kind of um, design your path in a way, right? So did, yeah. you, did you always have that understanding that, that vision of, of the path that's gotten you here or has it been pretty no. windy? No, definitely not. I think, I think little moments, um, if you're paying attention, uh, are what really bring you to wherever you are today. And those little pieces, those little uh, 
synergistic moments where things just sort of really, really work and, and you're paying attention or things really aren't working at all and you're paying attention, uh, whether it's for your own, you know, whether it's your own compass for, for the moral compass or whether it's, it's just you're not feeling inspired or whatever it might be. Um, any number of things can, can really, I think, be the trigger. Um, and it's not necessarily about branching out and, and starting a firm or anything like that. I think it's really just about staying aware um, of what is your contribution to your community and what is your contribution to your industry, whatever that might be. And is it what you want it to be? Um, I don't know how people perceive me. I have, I have very little idea of, of how anyone perceives me. I, I know what I do and what I, what I've done to get where I am, but I really don't have a very good handle. I think on, on how I'm perceived. I think of myself as really just a, a young, you know, aspiring, architect and runner and father and entrepreneur and, you know, again, struggling and being stubborn simultaneously is, is often sort of the place you find yourself in, uh, but you can't let it get you down. You've got to find a way to make it motivate you. And I think that's what I do is I get really motivated when, when things get uh, tricky when things get really hard. And I think that's something yeah. that you have to really have um, to make it through. So where did, that, where did that come from? I mean, so the so of the boys. I, yeah. Okay. Nice. Yeah. So yes. Yeah, so where where'd you where'd you grow up? Grew up in Arkansas. Um, and what? So and, the family was like, yeah. So four so, four boys. You know, it's a fight. Uh, I keep using that term, but it's funny because you think about you know just the dinner table when you're you know you're kind of hoping that you get enough because it's it was you know chaos. Uh, with four boys and had two cousins that lived with us through high school. And so there were, there were six um, teenage boys in the same house between, say, eighth grade and, and, you know, 12th grade or seventh grade and 12th grade or something. And so it was just, it was total chaos. I mean, it was great. It was good fun, but it was pretty chaotic. And, and you sort of learn to, to speak your mind and, and have a voice and, and uh, step in to the, the chaos a little bit uh, in that kind of environment. <clears throat> So grew up in Arkansas. My dad was a brick mason and grew up on job sites working, you know, construction, eventually became a uh, structural welder uh, to kind of make more money through college uh, hmm. uh, as I was putting myself through and, and always, you know, through in the architecture path. But um, a lot of construction that got me there. What was that? What was that decision to go into architecture? Was it again, was it a, a pretty straight path or is it pretty windy? You know, it was a fifth grade moment where, you know, the classic teacher says, you know, what does everybody want to do when they grow up? And I was like, oh, I want to be an architect. And I really had no idea what that meant um, at the time. But I also knew that I didn't want to um, be in construction. I didn't want to be in the field. I'd done enough of that by then, even, believe it or not, that I was, like, certain that uh, that was not something I wanted to do. And so for me... Um, that was one of those moments where you paid attention to the things that, that you didn't love and made sure that you tried to grow in the opposite direction. Uh, so for me, that, yes. was, that was pretty pivotal. You know, I, I respect construction tremendously. Obviously, I deal with it every day, but it's just something that I, I had done enough of by, by my college years. I, I knew it wasn't the way I wanted to live the next 40 years of my life. <clears throat> yeah, it's funny. That's the same way with me. My, my dad's a contractor and I, I dug enough holes through yep. high school. I decided 
rather draw the holes to be dug than dig them. <laughs> exactly. But, so I think so. So we'll kind of go 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 through the the lineage a little bit. So yeah. So you went you went to Arkansas for school, right? Um, yep. Was that was it was it kind of like hey, this is the the school that's close, and that's where I go, or was it a a concerted choice that that oh my god that you got yeah, there? I was lucky lucky to make it make it there because you know it was a few hours away from where I grew up. Um, but there were definitely my horizon was just hoping to get to college, literally. Um, <laughs> never mind having the, the, the foresight to actually look at options or having a family that was supportive enough to actually know where to look or what to look for. I mean, we knew that University of Arkansas had an architecture program and that checked the box and that was literally as complicated as, as it got. So <laughs> it, was, uh, it was good because it ended up being a, a decent school and had some really great uh, professors and, and programs and experiences traveling abroad and that, but it was dumb luck, honestly. Uh, it was the only option. So, and that was financial yeah, I mean, I was as gonna, well, yeah. just resources in general. Yeah, because it's a, it's a pretty specific kind of school, right? I mean, it, you know, when you look <laughs> yeah. at it in the landscape of architecture schools, like it has a very defined identity, and it's interesting when you when you land in a place like that. Uh, yeah seemingly kind of by accident yeah very fortunate i mean it, it it's a state school you know the only architecture program offered in the, the state of arkansas and having grown up there i just hadn't been to a lot of architecture offices or visited or, or seen any any of that uh, in my life it had been more from the the dirty side of of architecture which is the construction side and uh, and very rural too i mean very uh, i just wasn't exposed to much at all and so, you know, going to that program felt big to me. It felt like a big deal. And so I wouldn't have known any, any different. And for years, I didn't know any different um, until I started traveling. Um, I, be, I was on the, uh, the uh, accreditation team, the student accreditation team, when we were going back for our, our accreditation. I think it was my third year. And so I traveled all over and visited other schools and saw other cities and did lots of things. It was really interesting to, to, to have that exposure so late in, in my <laughs> educational career. I mean, I think that was the first time I stepped foot in an architecture office. It was probably my third year of school. Yeah. So I was very atypical. Um, and maybe that's part of why I'm still quite atypical <laughs> about my point of view. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, but I feel, I mean, I, I think in some ways, at least in my experience, it's kind of typical, you know, I did the same thing, like just went to the closest mm. state school and, and, you know, it's, it's kind of hard when you're from a more rural place to kind of have that experience with, with firms or other schools or, um, but yeah, I mean, so when you were there, was it a, was it, a, would you say it's a, it was a pretty defined uh, kind of idea of architecture was there was there rifts and splits within the college that you kind of fell into or yeah for sure i mean i would say i remained fairly naive about the whole thing for a number of years and then pretty soon i started to see um the political um aspects form and my own you know personal opinions started to come to the, the forefront um i remember my third year i was asked to be on the the um, disciplinary council for being one of the students that would have to actually help 
um, review projects and students that were really on the cusp of being kicked out. And it was hmm. quite odd to be, you know, having known so little and then be asked to take on this fairly significant role. Um, but I really approached it just at, you know, in a black and white issue, I would look at the work and look at the, the whatever was in front of me. And, and, you know, I went through some, uh, a handful of those interviews. They were very quiet. They were very much behind the scenes, but there was this little, little uh, thing that went on that was <laughs> um, disciplinary action for students that were that were really not cutting it in the design program and so uh, that was interesting because I, I guess that's probably coincided with my sense of the politics and, and ultimately um, the seriousness to which people take this sport of architecture. I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of a big deal to a lot of people, you know, especially yeah, in I school. Didn't yeah. that. I didn't yeah. know that. Huh. Uh, I, I really was truly naive to that. And um, so that was really interesting. And to this day, I think it helped shape my, my sort of, thoughts and, and in some ways caution about how to how to approach this industry and and uh where some people are coming from is, is very different um and you know i respect it uh but it can be a challenge a, a big challenge um especially for those that yeah. don't have an alternative sport uh i was just yeah. a joke i was a bike racer in college so if architecture was sucking for me for a particular week or month i had my other thing to to fall on, which was, was my cycling community. And I could kind of go there and, and uh, throttle myself through races and training and, and feel pretty good. And then, you know, likewise, if, if my cycling career was sucking wind, architecture was always there to hold me up and make me feel like I had something, you know? And I always talked about that as like a dual sport. Hmm. You know, I have this sport and this sport. It was almost like dual, dual major or, or two sporting um, endeavors because they were very, uh, similarly intense, but couldn't have been more different. Certainly the people too, the people were very, very different. Um, but it gave me an outlet to, yeah. to not just be defined by one thing, um, but to be defined by, by multiple aspects of things I was passionate about. And I think that's always helped me. Yeah. I feel like that's pretty unique. Like, uh, you know, it, it's hard, hard for me even to say like, what's a hobby, you know, and, and it mm -hmm. seems like a lot of architects that's, that's an issue, right. Of, yeah. What do I like to do outside? And, and uh, to have that split. Um, you do know that building a tree house is still architecture, right? Yeah, well, yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. That's my only <laughs> other hobby. Uh, that, was a, that was an inside joke there. Yeah, I built a tree house. And now actually you can, you can kind of see up here, I'm, I'm building a loft inside. So there's going to be a, a summer tree house and a winter tree house up here I for, love it. for my son. So of course there is. That's, that's the next uh, process. But, but I think, you know, that's interesting, that, that thing of identifying that, that there needs to be a world outside of architecture. But then after architecture, going in, I mean, you moved to L.A. and worked for Morphosis, right? I mean, that's like the, one of the kings of the sport of architecture, right? Yeah. Uh, especially sure. at that time. I mean, did it, how, what was the, what was the, when were you there and what was the kind of culture at that time? So it was, again, I'm, I'm, this is really kind of pulling up a lot of interesting uh, things, but um, 1993, I think, was the year hmm. um, my third year of architecture school and I had met a woman or girl at um, the AIS national convention who was um, <laughs> at Savannah College of Art and Design we started dating um, her name was Ingrid and we dated um, you know probably a year year and a half and she had some connections and 
we just started talking and networking in that and we were you know had a relationship abroad or you know remote so we had met up in, in different cities and things like that and at any rate i ended up she convinced me to apply to uh an internship with tom main and and so i submitted my portfolio and and i got a call one day in the studio from them and I thought someone was joking. They're like, hey, Blythe, you know, Maine is calling you from Morphosis. And I was like, hmm, okay. And I pick up the phone. They're like, hey, we got your portfolio. We'd like to have you come out for the summer. And it was just so surreal. I was really blown away. And, and um, so it was a summer thing. I went out, I think, maybe early. I kind of bailed on, on the last couple of weeks of school and, and uh, got my exams done early, worked it out with all the professors, because by then it was all architecture program. There was really nothing out of the school. So everybody was super supportive. And I went in probably early May and actually came back late as well and started late. And so I had, you know, uh, it wasn't a long uh, internship, but it was, it was very impactful. Uh, I was the only um, U.S resident that was actually an intern everybody else was from another country um so it was a really cool class of, of interns and you know that's how they they do it they have a class there's you know every summer there's just a big group of people that are they're doing you know large volumes of work and, and it was, it was how, ma how many people was it like how many there were probably 12 interns and then the core group was was kim groves and john enright um, and of course, Tom and, and a couple others that were kind of core employees, maybe four uh, real, you know, full-time employees. Mm. Um, <laughs> and it was, it was a really unique time. I mean, that was, they were on uh, uh, Colorado Boulevard, or Colorado Avenue um, in Santa Monica, and they just moved into the new office at the time. This was obviously decades ago now. Um, but it was a very interesting time. I mean, our friends were all working you know, the people I met while I was in LA were all working in the same capacity at interning at all the different firms that we were all, you know, really uh, enamored by at the time. Um, and so it was, it was very special, really, really special. And, and also really pivotal in, in, in helping build the confidence that maybe, you know, my own point of view had some value in, in this business. Because again, I came from such a, a, a place of not knowing if, my opinion had any value or I really did not have a clue what I was doing, to be honest. Um, I'm not sure I still do, but, um, at the end of the day, it was, it was pretty interesting. Um, very, very, very cool, very warm and welcoming, uh, friendly, always, uh, very hardworking, many, many, many hours a week. Uh, but we socialized together. Um, and I, again, I, I took the bike with me and I raced and trained, uh, like I did. Um, I slept very, very little, um, and rode my bike or was at the studio every hour of the day with the exception of a few hours of sleep every night. That was it. Um, yeah. I mean, that's the, the, that's the famous story, right? Of him, him starting that office and, and sleeping in his car and, yep. and then having to go to grad school so that he could start a grad school. And yeah, I mean, exactly. that's the, you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, such, Our such the architect's architect. Version. I mean, you know, and, and so did that, so it was a, it was a invigorating experience. I mean, it wasn't, it, it, it I mean, it was all encompassing, I assume, like you're saying, like little sleep, oh, but yeah. like just, yeah. It, the intensity level was, it was unlike anything I'd ever 
ever experienced. And so I don't, I don't know that I knew that was um, going to be the case, but I certainly was up for the task given, you know, my work ethic and willingness to just not let up and, you know, the ability to not sleep that we all learn in, in, in studio um, transcended for me pretty, pretty, pretty much through the cycling and the, the, the architecture. It was just like, I want to be doing something. I want to be active. I want to be, I want to do all these things. And, and the thing that's going to lose out is, is sleep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's just the way it works. Yeah. And for me, it was trying to balance those things um, and really try to stay a little bit um, foot in two worlds. Yeah. Yeah. So you, so you graduated and then, and then what'd you move on to? So graduated, um, actually in order to make enough money to, to move from, uh, Fayetteville, uh, I continued through the summer, I believe it was 95 and worked full time as a welder, hmm. um, to make enough money to load up the car with the, the few things that I owned three bikes, I think, and, you know, and literally three bikes in an Ames aluminum group uh, chair that I had traded for some pottery that I had thrown uh, uh, with some buddies at, at a pottery studio. So um, very, that's a whole nother story, but I had a, an aluminum group chair as the only piece of furniture I'd ever owned and my bikes and I moved to Colorado. Um, Why here? I was actually, Colorado was just a stop off. I was actually headed, uh, further west. I didn't really know where, uh, but I had some friends here um, and, and stopped off and, and, you know, the cycling community is really warm mm. and open and welcoming and so I, mm. I started riding bikes and, and uh, met some people and I uh, was in Steamboat for, for that summer, I believe, for the better part of the summer and fall, um, living and working for a, a one, one woman shop in Steamboat and good portion of the time I was living out of a tent and riding my bike and working for her. Who is that? Use the shower. I'd use the shower at the office. Um, and it was crazy. And then I moved to Denver full time after that and realized that Colorado was where I wanted to be. Um, so that was, that was interesting. Um, I actually slept in a teepee for about two weeks, um, on top of Flagstaff mountain in Boulder, <laughs> met some people. And, and again, was, was really not wanting to settle, uh, too soon and wanted to just explore and make sure this is a place I wanted to be. And so I got up every morning, rode my bike for three or four or five hours and ate a bunch of food and explored the cities when I was done on the bike and, mm. you know, checked out Boulder and Fort Collins. And I was down in Taos and, you know, all over, um, uh, in New Mexico as well. And so, yeah, I was trying to, trying to keep an open mind. And then Denver just made made a lot of sense for a lot of reasons. I really liked that, that Boulder was the hot spot, but Denver was kind of the up and comer. Hmm. And you could see that back then in, in the early nineties. Um, and I think I really liked that, that it was not yet the hot spot and I wanted to be a part of it becoming that. I, I really was excited about how gritty it kind of was hmm. and how transformational it was seeming to become. And I sure had no idea where it would go, but uh, that was, that was a big part of it for me. So what, yeah, what were the, what were the firms like at that time? Like what was the kind of community and um, yeah, it seems like it's they changed were a lot. hundred percent Bill Munchow spinoffs is what they were. Um, who was that? Bill Munchow was, Bill Munchow? Huh. yeah, Bill Munchow was, you know, the, the, had the big firm in town, great design, well-known. And, and so virtually every uh, 
notable firm at the time was a, was a spinoff mm. of, of that firm. And so I ended up at Roth Shepard um, for, uh, before I went to Gensler. Um, and so I think I went to Gensler in 98 and then stayed through uh, whenever we started this in 2011. Mm. So who, who, were the, yeah. who were those other... Uh, 1998, uh, yeah. sorry, 1998 through 2011, yeah. so... Who were those other spinoffs? Who were, who were the other firms, Ross Shepard and... Oh, man, um, I'm going to have a hard time remembering now. Um, but there were... Um, there were probably 10 different firms at the time that were usually two partners mm. that had worked together that had spun off and done their thing. And there were all, a lot of a lot of solo architects, but it seemed like everywhere I went, there was Park Hill Ivans. I, I can't recall. If, I think one of those guys may have worked there. There was, you know, um, EJ Mead and Arc 11. Those guys mm. were up in, in Boulder. I don't, I don't think they were, either of them were at Munchau's office. But these are the guys I was starting to hang out with. And, and the folks that worked for those firms were the folks I was working, you know, hanging out with. Um, and I liked... Uh, Herb and Jeff, what they were doing, they were they were a small shop, probably seven or eight people hmm. at the time, um, and just went there and and you know started working. It was my first real job, um, uh, working at a firm in a full time capacity like that. They were really good to me. They were great guys, and we had a good time. And there was a good crew there at the time, so um, it was a lot of fun. But quickly, I learned that I didn't want to be in a small firm doing, you know, restaurants for the rest of my mm. life or doing single family residences one off or, you know, and it worked really well for them and they were really successful. But for me, it was more about um, trying to go to a place that I didn't know anything about. And, and a buddy of mine had suggested I check out Gensler because they really were great with the business of architecture. That was his comment to me. I'm like, oh, I've never heard of them, literally. Like, Okay, yeah. I've never heard of these people. <laughs> of course, because I was always looking at the, all the little guys. I was yeah. not paying attention to the big firms. And, and it was not a place that was ever on my radar, but I, I met some great people there, um, was hired. And, and I even told one of the principals at the time, you know, I'll probably work here a year or two and then and I'll probably move on because I, you know, I'm just really in, in a mode of trying to explore. And I ended up there almost 14 years. So, I mean, <laughs> shows how little I knew about myself and how little I knew uh, about how much they had to teach me. So it was kind of a funny, um, funny thing that just sort of happened. Um, but eventually I wanted to get back to that place that I had, had uh, initiated, which was really just um, trying to, to be more intimate with architecture, more intimate with staff, with culture, with, you know, building, building something that was a little different. Um, and the larger firms just didn't appeal to me in that way. Um, nothing negative it's just different you know um so yeah i mean i think like 14 years that that yeah it just sounds it's so long right. i mean and you had you had kind of such a path up through yeah that one office here right i mean so what were the sort of changes that that occurred and um and your it changes well, in your role as well yeah i think that um part of it was what i mentioned early on in this discussion is that you know you do get um, uh, you sort of forget to pay attention sometimes. And I'd say that that kind of happened um, in the middle. And so um, I wasn't unhappy or, or, you know, uninspired or, I mean, I was traveling and, and working in all kinds of cities all over the, all over the world. And, and it was very uh, dynamic with really great talented people and all those things. 
I think for me, it was more about, um, again, I keep using the word intimacy with, with it. I, I think I wanted a little bit more um, connection to the people, to the clients, to the projects. You get to a point, um, the larger firms, where you, you sort of win the work and can, can't touch it because <laughs> your billing rate's too high. Uh, you're, you're tasked with just winning work rather than doing work. And, and I wanted to kind of get back into that balance where I could sort of win and do and, and impact the work and the culture in the studio in a way that was a little bit more um, utilize, utilizing my skills, my broader interests and broader skill set from construction to design to marketing, those kinds of things. I, I just kind of have a haphazard skill set. It's really not the normal thing. And so I, I kind of like using all of those tools that I have. And a firm like ours allows me uh, more latitude to do that. And I, the bigger firms, you just end up, as you go up the ranks, um, you get more and more narrow in terms of what you're, you're going to do. And it's just the way it's structured, and they kind of have to do that. Yeah. get it. But it wasn't for me. I mean, that has to be such a like, delicate balance, right? The idea that totally. you set up a good system to win the work, but then you start winning too much work, and then it pulls you away from things. And... I mean, so have you found that balance? Yeah, definitely not. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I would say far more so, so than, yeah. than uh, you know, we've been in business now for over nine, nine years at, as Open Studio. And, and I think that um, I think the thing that, that I love about where we are now is I can wake up every day and, and make a choice on how I'm going to engage with the studio, the business, the projects, the clients. Like I can choose that every day. Um, and I like to think that um, it's entrepreneurial enough, even at, at the studio level, where everybody here can help define their path. You know, we, we talk a lot about, you know, when we're hiring people, what is it you want to do in 10 years? What is it you're trying to, to accomplish long term? Um, and, and we genuinely want to support that. Um, I can't keep tabs on all of it. I can't possibly know what everybody's thinking at any given time. But I do think we're an organization that allows for people to kind of raise their hand and say, hey, I've got an idea or, Hey, um, you know, I'd like to explore this in my, in my career. And, and we're pretty, um, agile and, and willing to try to make those things happen if, if feasible. And, and I think that, um, cause I want that myself. I want to, I want to be able to, to move around in the business a little bit. It's, it's more interesting and it's certainly, um, uh, it, it's more suitable to my personality. And I think a lot of people's personality. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so let's see. So, so, so starting, let's, let's talk about the founding of open studio. So what was that like? Was, you know, 14 years, that's gotta be a, a hard, uh, discussion or, or process of uh, jumping ship, a lot of beer. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Brad and I worked together, um, for 12 of those years or close to it. I, I was, I think I was there about 13 and a half years, maybe a little longer. He was there for, um, maybe 11, just shy of 12. So we had an overlap that was almost a dozen years. Um, and we worked together a lot. We were there, you know, oftentimes we'd find ourselves there uh, by ourselves late night, you know, one or two other people, maybe it's a pretty big firm locally even. So there, there may be someone on the other side of the studio or something, but oftentimes it'd be he and I. And, you know, the discussions would start and we would have the topic of, you know, um, exploring this option of starting a firm. But I think what's really, um, it, the more you grow in the business, the lower your, oddly, the, the lower your confidence gets. Mm. 
Hmm. Um, particularly when you stay at a firm for a long time, I think you think you know that firm really well and the way they do things. But you, at least for me, I felt like I didn't really fully appreciate um, the other aspects of the business because a lot of it is done for you. Hmm. Um, hmm. The business of architecture that you that you are a part of at a larger firm is really just fee management and consultant management. It's not, you're not managing a business. You're not running a company, um, or at least hmm. very few of, of the employees at, at, at large companies like that are actually part of the business. And so I was always interested in, in that, oddly, uh, but I also love design. <laughs> so, you know, the numbers I was never afraid of. Um, and so starting the business was kind of a, a leap of, of absolute uncertainty. Had no idea um, if it was going to uh, work or fail. And I truly, you know, in my own mind, gave it a 50-50 shot at, hmm. at working because I had no idea. I had no idea. So, you know, I think part of it was just, you know, getting to a point of, of um, interest that was high enough and my fear of, of failure was low enough that it was it was okay. It happened to be 2011, which was the crappiest economy in history and all that, but that didn't seem to matter for some reason. I, I don't even remember really contemplating that. Again, probably really naive and really dumb, but, you know, that was uh, the reality of it. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. So, I mean, you know, I, I always, you, you tell the story of, of starting it and, it, and it's always mind-blowing to me in a way where I don't know how true it is where you just say, yeah, we, we quit. We we're going to, we we're going to drink beer on our porch for a year. And then we ended yep. up getting a project in two weeks. And I think to yeah. me, just that idea of like, I mean, was that, that was a serious thing of like, Hey, you know what? I have enough, I have enough set aside for a year to, yep. to really figure this out. And yep. I mean, that was the deal. I'm, I, it's in all seriousness. We, I think part of the, the reason we kept telling ourselves that <clears throat> is, um, because we really didn't know what we were doing. Hmm. We, we truly didn't know what we were doing. I think Brad would totally agree, but um, we, we knew what we didn't want, um, but building from scratch something like this um, is a lot of things you never ever consider. I mean, it's so, there's so little architecture in building a business. Like it's just forms for the state and forms for the, for the, the county. And for, I mean, it's a bunch of really numb, mind-numbing items that you end up doing. Um, and, and our thought was, you know, we should get our business ducks in a row and really then focus on what kind of a culture we want to build, what kind of a place do we want to try to attract people to come to, both clients and employees, and really try to build um, the narrative of what this place should be before we bother trying to convince anyone to come. Hmm. Um, but, but shortly after we started on that we were literally about two weeks into doing nothing and all we were doing is just hanging out drinking coffee with with people in the industry we knew and and i think there was a lot of intrigue that we weren't aware of um at our leaving and especially the fact that we left together um we we were kind of naive to the fact that a lot of people found that interesting and wanted to learn more and so we were asked to go to coffee and beers and happy hour you know every day of the week it seemed with general contractors and developers and other clients and people. And, you know, the funny thing is we never picked up the phone and called anyone and said, Hey, we left, we started our firm. We're going to do this. Here's what we are. We never once picked up the phone and did that. 
but the phone was ringing and, and it was, um, it was shocking, honestly. It was very shocking that that was happening. Um, and we picked up the phone, of course, and met with people and chatted and told the story. And I think it helped us craft um, something that we hadn't fully developed yet, which was what is our, what is our story? Why? And yeah. What are we going to try to do? Um, the why was less important. It was really more about what are you going to, what are you going to try to do? Um, and, you know, our story was pretty simple. We want to continue to do what we were doing. We just want to do it on our terms. Um, so the project types, we would love for them to be the same. Um, but we just want to do it in a culture and a studio that, that's kind of more of, of ours. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we did. And um, shortly after we started, um, we were awarded uh, headquarters for Trizetto, their world headquarters. Mm. And, and that was the first call we got. Um, pretty crazy. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to hear, like, uh, you know, I want to do a lot more of these interviews and see how how normal is that story right of like mm, you know yeah. you, you definitely put in the the work from before with Gensler and the connections and, and and everything of and it's like does does that normally happen like the weirdness of just getting projects you know like i i was oh, off on my own for you know for nine months and i had a bunch of weird projects just popping up and you know but you never know if, if they're going to keep yeah. going and but um yeah so you you got well, you, i still don't yeah, know yeah <laughs> <laughs> One thing's for sure, you never you never get comfortable um, with that, or at least you shouldn't. Yeah. Because, you know, the, the, it's a very fickle um, industry in, in the sense that, you know, to remain relevant, you know, you got to be relevant. And, and that's not easy to do. Um, and so I think, uh, particularly in times like we are in now in 2020, where there's, you know, a chaotic election cycle and, and a pandemic and holidays and all these things sort of converging it's 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 as much uncertainty as i've ever felt um i think in my career but i don't feel like like anxious like oh my god things are gonna fail i just feel like i don't know what what's really happening yeah right now. um i feel like we're very fortunate to have you know great clients that that trust us and we have you know more work than than most i think and and we have a killer team, obviously, and, and all, but I, I think the uncertainty is very unsettling um, because it's never been this kind of uncertainty for these reasons. Um, yeah. You know. That's, it. that's interesting. I think one, one of my biggest questions that I want to ask everyone that's really interesting to me is just like, what was the moment of your, your biggest failure or your, or your lowest kind of moment within the profession? I, I wonder how this, this ranks for a lot of people, but... But what, you know, what's, what's one of those images, those projects that, that looks really good and, and like the biggest, like that barely got through that. Yeah. Like, or, or, you know, what does one of those yeah. pop in your mind? Well, I would say it's more, um, less of a glossy, ex you know, image or, or rendering or something that, that has a, a bad story behind it. It's more of an experience that I had and I'll, 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 leave names out of it, but um, a very well-known um, entertainment person in Las Vegas um, had a really strong connection with, with my former firm, with Gensler. And I was in a meeting with Art, Arthur Gensler and I, and 
I just remember walking out of that meeting saying to myself, why am I here? Why am I in the room with this person who I found to be very repulsive and very evil and very um, just, I mean, it was like shocking to me to be exposed to someone like that. And again, you look at the projects, the, the, the vast amount of real estate and entertainment things that this person owns and it's staggering wealth. I mean, it's, it's, it's staggering how much wealth is, is there. Um, but you can, you could see very clearly that it got there in a very ruthless way. Hmm. And, and that was very apparent to me that that was not a world I wanted to be a part of. That's not the kind of clients I wanted to spend time with. And so it, it became apparent to me that when you're feeding something so large, you know, you, you oftentimes have to take all the work that comes. Yeah. And I get that. Um, but I, I think it, it became really clear to me that that wasn't, that I didn't want to be in a place where that had to be the case. Um, and again, I don't fault any, anybody for needing the work or taking the work, but I think it, it, for me personally, it was an opportunity to say, is that how I want to spend my time? Yeah. And I ended up, you know, fast forward, I was spending, you know, Christmas, New Year's, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year that year um, at the office every day. No, no gaps, no breaks, no nothing for that client. And so it became even more apparent to me that I'm spending time away from my family yeah. and things that I care about, my own health and wellness for this person that really couldn't care less about me, you know, because ultimately it was just for that, that client. And I found that to be very polarizing <laughs> in the studio even. Yeah. People were resentful and, and frustrated and I could start to see that. And I think that's the, the question you asked earlier about it moving up. Um, you kind of start to see certain things and it was very, it was a, it was a tough time for me um, to kind of go through that because it was a, just kind of a dark, more dark side. There was a, there was a guy that worked for this guy that was just took the, the anger and frustration to a whole nother level. And it was just really, really hard environment to work in. Um, so I think that was probably one of the more pivotal things for me that, that helped stimulate my firmness on moving on, on leaving yeah. and starting my own company. Um, yeah. Cause it has to be uh, when you have a firm it has to be a lot of leaps of faith to, to say no to a lot of people that, you know, yeah. to take, take those stances and know when to do that. And, um, it's a huge thing. Um, and I think that uh, that's kept us sort of the size we are, roughly 20 people, um, because we have said no to a lot of things. We could easily have been much bigger um, over the years uh, by just saying yes, yes, yes to everything that came through the door. But I think it would have it would have easily gotten us closer to that place that I didn't want to be. And I knew that. I've been aware of that um, since day one. I mean, it stuck with me and I don't think it's leaving anytime soon. Um, I don't want to work with assholes. Yeah. I, I just, I really don't. I, I mm. love working with people that respect our team and respect our, our, our job that, that what we bring to their projects and, and our clients bring that, you know, in very degrees, everybody approaches it a little different, but I think one thing is universal is our clients really respect us. And I think that, um, I didn't always feel that in previous experiences, previous firms. And I, I, I want to make sure that you, know, you may make some poor choices here and there, <laughs> but I want to make sure that, that at least it's something that we're paying attention to. 
um, that we're trying to really align with partners that, that, that can make it a little more fun, make it a little bit more inspiring, make it a little bit more um, enjoyable because it's a grind. I mean, this business is hard. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, uh, never, never straightforward. It's never, um, easy. It's never, um, you know, uh, what you expect. It's always something different. And so hmm. I think the best thing you can do is try to align yourself with people that you respect and that respect you. And it does make it just a little bit easier as you go through the tough spots. Um, and, yeah. So, yeah, it's nice. I mean, I think on, on the counter of that, what, what, what was that? what was the moment that sticks in your mind the most where like that mountaintop kind of moment where you just, you step, step back a little bit and it's like breathe. And it's like, man, look at this. Like, you know, is there's a one that stick out? Yeah. I, I honestly, I, I very clearly, I think it's, um, it's funny because I think it's the day that we closed on a total piece of crap building that we bought that ultimately became the studio we built. But in some ways, buying that crappy little one-story beige brick building was more meaningful than walking into the new building we built. Mm. That was really special. Mm. But there was something about owning a piece of land and knowing that that piece of land represented the fact that we were in total control, mm. that we were going to develop something. We were going to build something of our own. And and it, it, it was symbolic, I think, of, of taking control, of being you know, entrepreneur uh, and entrepreneurs as architects um, and not just being architects waiting for the phone to ring. We were like, we're taking control. We're going to buy this land. We're going to envision a new, you know, a new building here. And, and so while, you know, walking in and, and being operational in this building, you know, a year and a half ago was really, really a big day. Um, I kind of feel like buying the, the, dilapidated building with a chain link fence and you know lots of drug needles in the, in the backyard was, was somehow more more important um and it, it just felt bigger yeah to me, huh. you know that's interesting i think that, that kind of takes me into like the the last question i i, I want to ask and 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 especially i think you you're very interesting in the way that you go about running a firm and in the way um your entrepreneurial uh, nature that, that I think is it's, it's unique within architects. I think we're not no, normally known as good businessmen, I'd say. Um, yeah. But so, so I'd say, so the question is like, do, do you know where you're headed? What's next? You know? Um, <laughs> and yeah, is that, is that, is that kind of freedom that your financial agency part of that, you know? Yeah. That's an interesting question. I, I would say, um, on, it's probably got two answers. One would be on a personal level. Um, I don't think I know for sure right now. Um, as a firm, I feel a lot more uh, maybe confident. I feel like it's finally, the firm has finally built um, enough of a momentum that it can, can continue. Um, and, and it can actually start to take on branches and, and facets that it hasn't had in the past. Like for example, I feel like we're, we're sort of to a size and time in our career as a, or in our life cycle as a company that, you know, new um, areas of work that we've never done um, are coming into to, to play. 
Um, some that we've dabbled in are, are becoming a lot easier and maybe more common and, and frequent. Um, so I think that the firm will continue to grow, but not necessarily in size, but in type of work. And so I like that a lot. I think the diversity of work is, is both healthy for um, helping through um, uh, the downturns like we're in now, but I think it also just brings a lot of interest and in, in intrigue to the, to, the, to the staff. Mm -hmm. So having more interesting projects for our, our talented group to work on is, you know, keeps them more engaged and, and frankly is, is uh, staying true to the promise that, you know, we can offer something different. And so I think that's important to me. Personally, I don't really know what, you know, I, I love the idea of, of being in real estate. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, participating in real estate financially and, and owning things and developing things. I, I love that. Um, it's been something that I've, I've always been interested in. I've always, you know, bought and improved homes and sold them for a profit and done that many, many, many times at this point. And, and it's, it's sort of, I like the sort of the more grown up version of the commercial side of things, which is pretty cool. Um, it has its challenges for sure. And it's a, it's a whole other realm, but, but it's been interesting. It's been fun. It's been very, very challenging. Um, but I think, I think that path in real estate, a longer term is something that it, that'll, that'll stay very relevant for me. Um, how I participate in that um, is yet to be determined. Um, I think how, how, what my role might be uh, both in the firm in 10 years versus, you know, five years versus um, what I might be doing um, uh, within real estate and kind of trying to mash the two together. I'm really not sure, but I feel like it's going to be pretty exciting. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Well, you know, I appreciate you coming on here as the, as yeah. the first guest and, and, and I appreciate you as a boss and bringing me into the <laughs> studio and um, oh, letting me do you this bring stuff. A ton, so. of, ton of good energy. It's, it's awesome having you there. This has been fun. Yeah. Um, Thank you. Very cool. Well, thanks for, the, thanks for hosting me. It's been fun to tell the story. Some things I haven't thought about in a long, long time. Good. <laughs> I, I enjoyed hearing it. I'd, I'd always have to, with talking with you, I'd have to be like, well, in my mind, like, don't don't go into that too much. I, I want to save that for the podcast. Like, don't wait. I don't want to know too much. I don't yet. want to know too much, but I think that was great. So, Hey, thanks. I love it. And now, awesome. now I'll get back to work. <laughs> right. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Bye. This is Sarah Hubbard, host of You and Me Kid, a podcast about starting and raising a family on your own. We just launched season two, and I'm speaking with single moms, those still considering, and experts in relevant fields to give you a real sense of what the day-to-day -day experience of solo parenting looks and feels like. Plus, this season, I've partnered with California Cryobank, the number one sperm bank in the U.S. So wherever you are in the process, this podcast provides some support, humor, and helpful information. Listen to You and Me Kid wherever you get your podcasts.